Okay, Erev Tov, Erev Tov. Today we study the 20th chapter of the Rambam's Hilchot Shabbat. We're two-thirds through uh, the Rambam's Hilchot Shabbat. It's a very long and extensive uh, series of halachot. Shabbat is, is a huge, huge topic. And in this chapter, the Rambam focuses on the halachot of Avadim, how we treat our slaves on Shabbat, and also how we treat our animals on Shabbat. Not to suggest that they're equivalent, but... And certainly in ancient times, a person owned their animals and they possessed their slaves. And so this chapter focuses on, uh, on a person's relationship with their animals and their slaves on, on Shabbat. So I want to focus on the first two, uh, first two halachot here and just uh, mention we are recording. We're recording live Rambam Yomi. The Rambam writes as follows in the first halacha. Asur masa ala b'Shabbat. A person is not allowed to put a burden on their animal on Shabbat. Shina Amar, as it says, In order that your shore, your ox, your donkey, Ramam says this doesn't just, it's not just referring to these two animals, any animal, any animal that you possess, you may not put a burden on that animal. It may not carry anything for you on Shabbat. If you do this, and if you do violate this, nonetheless, you wouldn't receive lashes. Why? There are two different types of mitzvot in the Torah. There's a positive commandment and a negative commandment. When it comes to negative commandments, the classic punishment is malkut, is, uh, is lashes. When it comes to positive commandments, there's no punishment for not performing a positive commandment. Now this idea of is a positive commandment. Failure to follow through with it means that you're not fulfilling a positive commandment, which means you don't get, uh, you don't get malkut. And this is not one of the melachot on Shabbat. This is an idea that we need to let our animals rest on Shabbat. Just like we rest, animals also rest. Now, there's a beautiful idea here that, uh, that Shabbat is all-encompassing. There's a recognition that uh, all melacha has to seize on Shabbat. It's not just human beings doing work. It's even our animals, which are an extension of ourselves, also need to seize doing uh, work on Shabbat. If one wants to read into this some element of uh, animal rights, okay, perhaps there is an element of that. A recognition that even animals need to rest. Okay, and that's, uh, that's on Shabbat. The fikach. Never the Ramah says, the fikach. Hamechamer achar behemto b'Shabbat vehaya alav masui patur. If you were to lead or guide or follow after animal, mechamer is the verbal form of like chamor, uh, and there's a burden on the animal, patur. You're patur. You haven't violated a, uh, a Torah prohibition if you, uh, if you do this, because again, it's a positive commandment. And so if you do this, you, have, uh, you haven't violated a melacha, but uh, you shouldn't do this, of course. It's at least rabbinically uh, prohibited. Next halacha, the Rabbim asks a question. Vehalo lav mifurash batorah, but doesn't it say explicitly in the Torah in Emar, lo tase kol melacha, you may not perform any melacha. Can you fill in the rest of the pasuk? Ata, uvincha, uvitacha, avdecha, vaamatcha, uveamtecha. You may not do any work on Shabbat. You, your daughter, uh, your son, your daughter your slave, your maidservant, and your animal. So wait a second. This is then incorporated as part of the, 
you know, the 39 melachot on Shabbat. Lo ta'aseh That's certainly a violation. That's a lo ta'aseh in the Torah. And it's not just a lo ta'aseh that you get malkut for. The person violates this lo ta'aseh on Shabbat. If there are edim and there's hatra'ah and there's warning, you can get skila for this. You could be stoned to death. Okay? So why is this not a violation? If you have your animal do work by carrying a burden, why is that not a violation of... Uh, what about lo ta'aseh and what does this mean? This comes to include not having your animal do milacha. Okay? Okay, we'll get to that in a second. The Ramam here is addressing, is presenting two different ideas. On the one hand, positive commandment, your animal needs to rest on Shabbat. On the other hand, there's a negative commandment that just like I can't do, uh, you know, milacha. I'm not allowed to pull my plow on Shabbat and tear up the ground and seed and, and harvest. So too, I can't have my animal do this either. Okay? And now the final line in the Rambam. <coughs> we see that having your animal plow for you, for example, would be a violation of a Torah commandment. It's a, that, that would be punishable by death. Whenever there's a very serious punishment like skila, like stoning, you don't get malkut you know, for violating that. There's just the larger punishment of skila, but not the, the lesser punishment. Now this line is very significant, and commentators uh, sort of ask a number of questions about this because it appears to be superfluous. And I'm sharing with you a comment by uh, Rav Nachum Melias Rabinovich in his commentary to the Mishneh Torah. His commentary is called Yad Pshuta. And he says, This entire line is extraneous. This is this idea that it's punishable by death and therefore you don't get uh, malkut for it. You've already told us that if your animal plows for you, you're violating Why do you need to tell us that this is a love, that beitin is punishable by death and there's no malkut? Okay, doesn't, doesn't, like, what, is the, what is the realm I'm coming to teach us by adding in this line? I want to share with you the insight of Rebbe Binovich, and I think it's, it's not just interesting from a halachic standpoint, but even from a broader uh, theological hashkafic standpoint, it's fascinating as well. Biram. The Ramam is teaching us a great principle. This chapter is coming to elucidate all the laws of one's animals on Shabbat. The Ramam needs to tell us, first of all, there are two different types of violations with regards to an animal. There's a positive commandment to have your animal rest. You also can't do work through your animal, plowing and harvesting and seeding, etc. This is part of which you could be punished for for death. But you might have thought for a second. There's a hava amina here in the Rambam. You might have thought, wait a second. 
If I'm not doing the plowing with my hands, if I'm not seeding, if I'm not harvesting, if I'm not uh, making the dough, if I'm not baking, if I'm not doing it with my own hands, but I have my animal do it instead of me, maybe then I have not violated the, the, the Malachah and Shabbat. That's not me. The animal's not me. I'm me, and that's the animal, separate from me. Kamash Malan, therefore the Rambam comes to teach us that you might have thought you're not chayav skila. Rambam tells us, don't think that because your animals do in the malacha, that you don't violate the malacha on Shabbat. You do, because the animal is an extension of the human being. Now, it may be the case that you don't get lashes for this. And the reason you don't get lashes is because it's punishable by death. But don't think that it's because your animal's doing it that the person, the gavra, the individual, hasn't violated Shabbat. Now, this is, I think, very, very significant. You know, we live in a world where uh, human beings have developed machines and tools and AI bots, okay, that can do many very, very powerful things. And you can imagine a person saying, you know, I created the technology, but I'm not responsible for what happens after that, right? This is a major discussion when it comes to, uh, to the military. You know, drone strikes, right? Like, do you, at, at what point do you let machines, uh, you know, determine who you're, you know, who you're attacking? Or do you always have to have human beings there because a human being is able to, to figure out, wait a second, is this the right thing to be doing in this situation? Let me assess the, the different information that I'm receiving through my, uh, through my spy cameras, right? This is the, 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 the ultimate question is, can we ever say that a human being is not, is not responsible? And I think if we take this Rambam, we could extend it and say, there's always, we always have to go back to, there's always human responsibility. Okay, there's always a human hand, and, and we're responsible for what we do. You can't just say, well, I've created technology and now it's beyond my control. No, you have to, you're responsible for the technology that you create, and you need to recognize the, 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 uh, the power of, of the thing that we've, that we've generated. This, uh, this also comes up with, uh, you know, driverless cars. Who's going to be responsible when chas v'shalom, a driverless car, kills a, a pedestrian? Now, this has happened already. So who's responsible? Is it the owner of the driverless car who wasn't even in the car? Is it the person sitting in the car? Is it the person who wrote the code that created that, uh, you know, that wrote the code 20 years beforehand, which enabled this type of car to, to function? Is this the, um, is it the pedestrian? Is it the, the person who's sitting in uh, you know, Tesla's office at the time uh, when, when the whole system is running? Like, who's responsible for this? This is a major, major question that we need to address. But I think the Gemara here is teaching us, and the Ramam is teaching us, that uh, human beings' responsibility extends way beyond just what they're doing with their own hands. It extends even to their animal, even to their possession. And this also comes out in Masachet Bavakama, Adam Muad Le'olam, and a person's responsible when you're sure uh, gores someone else, or you're, you're sure is rovets, uh, you know, or eats uh, you know, the food, whatever it is, consumes something that belongs to someone else. 
we are ultimately responsible for that. Okay, and we see that play out as well you know, with regards to uh, the melachot on uh, on 